2: may not be over mathematically but i think we all know norwich city are heading back to the championship sadly welcome to this week's edition of the pinken.com norwich city podcast coming to you on the back of a 1-0 defeat to brighton the fifth successive defeat since the premier league season resumed for norwich city um we're going to we'll try and keep things light as much as possible but clearly in the circumstances, that isn't going to be hugely possible. Uh, we also come to you on Future Radio 107.8 FM. I'm Dave Freezer and I'm alongside Paddy Davitt and Connor Southwell. We're just out of Carra Road um, from the behind-closed-doors fun of that one nil win. Paddy, um, you've not long ago spoken to Daniel Farker and um, he basically admitted it was over, didn't he?
0: He did, Dave. He said... I uh, remember what he said. He said it was the last chance to get back in the mix that was his exact word so if you take him by his measure then the, the, then the chance is gone um, we saw those players, quite a lot of them dropped to the floor at the final whistle, they clearly felt it was the last chance, Todd Cantwell um, pointedly stayed on the turf all by his own um, for quite a long period after the final whistle when all the other players had departed and coaching staff so yeah it, it, the, the signals, the messages, the, the sound bites coming out of that camp after that defeat, sadly are oh, that is it um, not mathematically as you said at the top of the top of the record but that'll probably come in due course over the next few days and then then it has to be the, the fight back and I'm looking forward but very depressing they've they've gone with a whimper haven't they you know like you said they have five straight defeats I mean they're consistently poor I'll give them that um, and then even broaden it out you know to the pre-lockdown you know one goal in, one league goal in nine games nine games is getting on for a a good chunk of the season you know nearly a third of the season and uh, with those type of stats then it is it any wonder that five games out and they're effectively down and uh, yeah that it's a sad sad way to end because we all felt at the start of the season as well having come up as they did so vibrantly that they could really have it a good crack but you know today's game uh, the manner of that defeat what Parker said before the game as much as what he said after the game you know I think there's been a realisation that uh they haven't been good enough in enough of the areas you need to be setting aside the obvious obvious by-product of of terrible injuries to key players, but fundamentally, and I think today underlined it, and Farker did actually go on to say post-match, that summed up the season, they didn't have enough quality, you know, there was a lot lot of endeavour, you couldn't really fault them for work or application, but simply put, they didn't have enough quality in either end of the pitch and they were culpable in their own downfall in terms of Brighton's match winner Um, and when they did get anywhere near the other end of the the pitch they just do not look like a team capable of scoring goals and that's not a great combination and ultimately that is why they're probably going to finish a long way short at the bottom of the table
2: Yeah I'm not quite sure to make of this line that Daniel has repeated quite a few times now in terms of we don't have that cutting edge we can't finish teams off we haven't got the quality of that top end of the pitch we don't have you know one player who can win games for us you know, if you're one of the players, it's probably not going to fill you with confidence, is it? And that's how, like you say, there has been a fair bit of willing. I wouldn't say they've, you know, just given up. They haven't down tools and, you know, it's not like he's lost the dressing room. They're all bickering and fighting and things like that. But it feels like overall the whole group has accepted they haven't got the quality to stay up. And, and Daniel has kind of added to that along along this journey. So that's, I don't know, maybe a slightly different, Tact would have would have been better but from all I guess it's it feels so bad Connor because we did come into this season with pretty high hopes that that, that squad you know they were quite sort of swashbuckling in the championship weren't they 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 played with freedom and great attacking verve and they, you know that was one of the best seasons in the club's history certainly at, at that level and so now it feels like a real come down doesn't it that they they're not just going down um with a whimper but they're going to struggle to even get the points tally that the 2005 worthy team and the 2014 Houghton team got that was 33 points they need to get 12 points in the last 5 games just to equal that I mean none of us would have predicted that would we?
3: No, no, I, I don't think anyone would have. Um, there are there a few people, perhaps a, a little bit too optimistic in, in their predictions, I would, I would argue. Um, but yeah, look, it's, it's it's clear to everyone. I think that this season as a whole hasn't gone as it as, as it panned. I think clearly with, with hindsight the. The decisions, perhaps, to to strengthen contracts rather than invest in the transfer market, you you could argue perhaps haven't panned out in in the way they would have liked, and um, equally, the the players that they did go out and recruit clearly haven't made the impact that, that they wanted. Maybe beyond Sam Byram so um, there 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 will be a post mortem and there will be sort of a, a soul search, I guess, to some extent. But the the key for me, and, and you mentioned it there, is 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 the honesty and. So much was made of the honesty and how positive it is, but I think the last few weeks we've seen perhaps what a negative impact sometimes honesty can have, and maybe sometimes being a little bit optimistic and um, not not blind optimism. It's important to be realistic, but I think we've seen that translating to the team a little bit. This is an Irish team that's a lot more pragmatic, that has a bit more variation. The fallbacks don't push as high up the pitch, and and they've kind of yeah, it just feels like they've kind of accepted their level a little bit, and um, it's it's going to be a huge well it's a huge rebuild essentially because you, you've got a squad of players uh, some will think they're good enough for the Premier League some um, will be well the club will try and call upon them again for a campaign in the Championship after perhaps they've not been involved too much this year so it's it's going to be a very interesting summer in terms of the dynamics of that squad and, and how they churn it because naturally they'll, they'll want to they'll change some aspects of it and probably rightly so after what we've seen this season but yeah I, I think we, we probably all expected a better level of performance, maybe not necessarily results, but definitely a better level of performance, more consistently than we've we've seen this season. And um, I, I think pro- probably um, we we all thought they they possessed a bit more quality than than what we've seen this season. And, and I think that's that's probably the shame for me. And you can dissect it tactically or, or analytically all, all you want, but the the stats pad as as real there is a, a, a pretty damning and. Um, They they underline why why they're heading back to the Championship, but now it's going to be all about the response and how they respond to that and to make sure that this relegation isn't the same as those that have gone before it where they need to change and essentially rebrand themselves again so it kind of feels like next year is going to be pivotal really for um, obviously the club as they try and push back to the Premier League but equally Stuart Webber, Daniel Farker and, and this whole sporting director model because it's they're not going to be underdogs anymore that's that's hmm. clear as well which is a lot of what this success has been based off so there are a lot of interesting dynamics and, and elements to it I think but yeah right here right now I think for, for a lot of Norwich City supporters it, it definitely hurts
2: yeah, there really are loads of different angles to this which are going to be fascinating moving forward and I like what you said there a soul search I think that's probably underway for quite a few you know Weber and Farker particularly I'm sure will be looking in, inwardly and thinking about what they need to do differently um, someone asked me in the live updates pad whether Farker had lost the dressing room now I said to them that I, I think that that's kind of a just an easy thing to throw at a squad that's being relegated I, I didn't Necessarily feel that that was what it was, but obviously, in a relegation campaign, they're going to have fallings out, aren't they? There's going to be arguments as a fan. You would almost want there to be because that shows that they care. I, I, I mean, we'll probably get more of an answer in this next five games, but I, I don't feel right now like Daniel's lost the dressing room in that traditional way.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's very hard to break down what that translates to. I mean, is it a team who are getting hammered every week? Well. You know, Southampton aside, you wouldn't say that is that is a measure you could apply. I mean, is it? You know, players showing diss- dissent on the pitch or arguing and bickering with each other or, or in turn with the coach and stuff. We're not really seeing that. Um, and I personally wouldn't feel that that is something you could probably lay at, at Farquhar and this group of players. I think even even today, you know, the first 20-25 minutes, they they were they were as as good as Brighton were, and that's not hugely um, much to say because it, neither side really created a huge amount. But but it wasn't a team who were, you know, basically uh, not carrying out their manager's instructions. They they had they had their shape. Um, that you could see what they were trying to do. I think it basically comes down to confidence, essentially, uh, and a huge lack of and the belief. And we saw it midweek. Daniel said actually accused them of feeling sorry for themselves after Tim Krul's error, he said for that 15-20 minute spell, and that was why he made the triple change at the break, because he felt he needed to send his group of players a signal, Um, to almost, as he said, find that aggressiveness again, which he felt they had started the game with, and I felt today was was more of the same, as soon as Tim Closers played a very strange pass infield, has been overturned, they've countered, scored that was it you saw any lingering confidence they had in that first 15 20 minutes just completely drain out of them after that point um you know bar adamida hitting the, the 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 post with a header late on they they were poor they were poor they were second best across midfield you know at the top end of the pitch dermich whatever you think about whether he should be in the side and what he brings or doesn't bring was isolated didn't have a great deal of service and and i think that just stems from and we've touched on it already you know a, a group of players they're not daft they they know how this season has has declined, um, and it's just picked up pace, and it's almost like they can't put a line in the sand uh, or, or turn things around. It's it's almost as if they're, you know, bystanders in this drama that's playing out around them, and they, they haven't managed to, to, you know, find that result or that performance or that seam of results to. To really give them the belief and the confidence, because that's at any level of the game, the confidence is a massive thing. Let's go back to this time last season in terms of the the season. You know, they were scoring for fun, they were creating chances, they were playing teams off the park, and I know it's a different level. That's the caveat to everything we discuss here. But you know, the same players who were full of confidence and would try things. You know, you're not seeing for me. There's a lot of safe play going on now. You know, there's a lot of players who don't really want to. Twist um, for fear of you know being singled out as you know why are you trying to do that why is that not come off getting more criticised um, they just look like a very inhibited bunch of players and that simply comes from losing games every week not scoring goals not really creating chances so I think those would be the areas I'll be looking at rather than um, maybe accusing uh, the players of downing tools for Farker I don't see that at all because. The majority of those players owe Farker for for an, uh, having a shot at the Premier League, don't they? And in the case of the younger players, owing a shot in Norwich's first team at such a very early age in their careers, so I wouldn't necessarily look in that area. I think it's more the the as I say, the debilitating drip by drip effects of of playing in a league where you come up against let's be honest, better players and and and, and sadly too often um, better teams, and and that's what it boils down to. We've seen those traits before, we referenced the seasons when Norwich have gone down before, and, and it was very similar, you know, you get to a point I remember under Alex Neil, you know, they were banging it, weren't they, uh, up until about January, then they went to Stoke, Gary O'Neill got sent off that night, and then for love no money, it didn't matter what Alex Neil did, what players he played, what systems, they just were on this long, slow, sad trudge back to the Championship, and they, they couldn't arrest that slide, and unfortunately for me, we've seen a parallel with, with this Daniel Farker team
2: yeah, I agree with the vast majority of that. Confidence is just such a massive thing. I think, I think Pukki is kind of the prime example of that at the moment, isn't he? You think back to last year, that winner against Millwall. You know, he'd scored a ninety-six minute winner, wasn't he? He knew nothing about it. Just sort of went in, or deflected in off his thigh or whatever, and the goal at QPR that went in off his chest because he was it just cannoned in off him, and he managed to sort of turn it in. Everything he touched or looked at turned to goals last year. And now he is classic sort of striker play, isn't it that when they haven't got confidence, strikers look useless don't they and he you just feel sorry for the poor guy because you know you know he's got far more in the tank than than what we're seeing at the moment, but collectively yeah it doesn't take when you're in the best league or probably the most competitive league in the world, it doesn't take much more than a few percentage points to be off the what you're capable of to just not be able to be competitive in the premier League so um but I think we'll we'll come back round to the sort of bigger issue towards the end, but let's get stuck in into the game. Um four changes, Connor. Um Dermich, Duda, Hernandez and uh who was the other one closer, of course, come back into the team in place of Tribal, Rupp, Campwell and Pookie. Um now before the game, people weren't impressed with that team selection, were they? Um and I think that was probably justified.
3: Yeah, I I think so, although I would caveat that with I think whenever either one of Tog Campbell or Amy Wendera isn't the team, I think that tends to be the reaction, doesn't it? And and probably because without them, Norwich don't particularly, or they look toothless, frankly, um, in in terms of of, of how they attack teams. But yeah, I I get it because there's so many games in such a short space of time and um, I I think Daniel had a point and and obviously he's um, he's witness to to sports science data and, and, and... much more sort of knowledge about the physical condition than than we are. Um, He's seen what they're doing in training, Neil. Well, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So um, I, I think if if he says that, then there's there's no reason to sort of think otherwise. Um, I, I think Hernandez in bursts has looked pretty lively um, since since the restart. I, again, it's just you, you question is des- decision making um, at, at key Let's moments. Let's not let Paddy get started on. <laughs> <laughs> That's a very good point, but um, yeah, as, as, uh, so I, I think there there were elements of it that that made sense. Uh, clearly, they wanted to attack the game, and Brighton play with a four four two essentially, or a four two two two. So, he clearly, wanted to try and get an overload in midfield. Hence, why he went back to the four
2: two three one. But yeah, have you pa- ever seen anyone play with a four two 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 before? Because I don't remember it. it-
3: no, I think this is one of the fancy sort of Graham Potter, um, yeah, quirks. He, he likes playing with with that, although it sort of changes. It's, it's yeah, yeah. So Most formations
2: do now, don't they? Yeah. They're not, but they're they semantics almost.
3: they're all variations of four four two, aren't they? Really? So even four two three yeah. one is exactly. <laughs> so I mean, they're, they're all variations of a another. So it's it's just how you interpret them, I guess. But um, yeah, it it was just um, as as Paddy said, it, it, a team short of confidence, I think, and um, that has sort of seeped out, hasn't it, into. Into Timi Puki, who again, as you said, just had to look at the ball and, and 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 different areas like that. So it's it's really difficult for them at the moment to I, I think to change the tide a little bit. And uh, I think Paddy's spot on when he says they feel like kind of like everything's happening around them. They've got no one who can impact the game. Um, in particular, and and it does kind of feel like, and it kind of looks at the moment. And again, a lot of it is because of the games in a short space of time. But it just kind of feels like he's throwing paper at a wall and, and seeing what sticks, essentially. And he's trying to go back to what they were good at in terms of the four two three one and what brought them success. And now they can't get a result with that. And so it's it's incredibly difficult, I think, for a head coach to try and impact. Uh, a game, or, or uh, tactically set something up when you've got players who who are short of belief, and I think that's that's evident at the moment, and. Um, Paddy's right. There's there's so much safe play, even from the full-backs where they would push on with the ball and they would be willing to engage a, a winger and get past them to break a press. Now that's not the case. Now they want to come back and they want to play. And you know, you you look the best player in the world if you play five-yard passes all the time. You've you've got to try and penetrate and make something happen. And at the moment, there there doesn't seem to be too many players willing to sort of grab a game by the, scrub of the scruff of the neck and, and impact it and that's that's a real issue but it's also born because of the lack of confidence and, and it happens for so many teams at the bottom end of the table um, it's it's just a shame because when when I think back to August and you remember the attacking displays against Chelsea and Newcastle and you thought, okay, they're going to give it a real good go. They're going to concede a lot of goals. We probably all knew that they did last season, but they they were going to give it a a real good go. And and now that sort of defensive instability has has been matched up with um, them being unable to score, essentially. And and that's sort of the the fatal mix, I think, in the end. So there's there's a disappointing element to it. You just just worry long-term about how damaging this spell will be for them and Daniel Farker in terms of... The philosophy and, and and what they're trying to do, but again, this is one of the the big soul searching questions, I guess, that they'll they'll have to answer themselves over the summer and within themselves. So it's um, there's there's a lot of issues with that Norwich team at the moment, but ultimately it ends with a, a, a relegation, another one, a, a record breaking one, and 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 they need to to, to respond to that accordingly. And um, as I said, I think a, a lot of what this model's been based about will, will be tested next year.
2: Yeah, well. Wow. The night is always darkest before the dawn, isn't it? So let's see how how dark things are going to get before we get to, to the dawn, though. Um, unfortunately, five games still to play. Um, yeah, it could get quite dark. But I like that, that they're almost not the protagonists in their own story. Mm-hmm. That's, um, that's pretty uh, grim thinking. Um, but the goal, Pad, um, a few familiar characteristics, I suppose, conceding the ball, and Godfrey just... You know, we, we've we all talked about the strong points of Godfrey's game, but for, for me, the positioning is is where he, his role as a centre-back hasn't developed enough so far. And there has been a lot on his shoulders this season, haven't there? But the way that Trossard gets across him there summed it up kind of perfectly, didn't it?
0: Well, I mean, I'll take you back to um, two games. Burnley away, uh, where I think uh, Chris Woods got across him at the near post. And West Ham as well away, where Haller, he's lost Haller and, and Gone towards the ball, and the ball has been cut back, and Haller's got simple tapping, and that was a very similar type of goal today. And you know, I saw I saw a lot of praise for the for the lad in recent times, but all, all I'm seeing, if I'm brutally honest, is his decision making needs to be dramatically improved. And you're right, he's such a young man, and and he's had too much burden to carry because of the central defensive issues this season for him to be your only at times available or, or recognizable centre centre back as he was at Arsenal in midweek. Too much to ask of a young kid, you know, really only essentially in his second full season of professional football, let alone in the Premier League. So, you know, you have to really take a step back and and filter any analysis of Ben Godfrey through through that prism. But, yeah, he's got so much more to go. I mean, athletically, he's he's, he's a Premier League player. He's a fantastic specimen and a good range of passing as well. Um, But his decision making... That needs to improve dramatically, and it's those issues. It's there. It's anticipation. It's um, you know the nows to, to instead of an attacker getting across you, make sure that's the other way around, and and just when to make challenges and when not. And we saw that you know illustrated graphically against Manchester United. If he doesn't try and steal that ball off Bruno Fernandez, it doesn't get spun in behind and closes. Then having to haul down Odion Ighalo and get sent off completely change the game. And, you know, too often, unfortunately, Ben Godfrey has been guilty of that, and and that's all part of his learning curve. And and if he if he can grasp that with more experience and more seasons in Premier League, you're looking at a very very good young English centre back. But um yeah, I mean, go back to today's goal. Yeah, okay, but I would take that back to, to closer who's played that ridiculous passing field, and then Daniel alluded to it in his post match that instead of then dropping off um, he's actually gone to press the ball and of course then they've left a huge gap on the right hand side where they've laid the ball into Aaron Moy who's got all the time in the world to look up and then face that ball into Trossard to get across Godfrey so collectively both Norwich's centre-backs haven't covered themselves in glory there and, and it's, sad, it's sad for Tim Closer particularly because he had such a long wait to, to get back in and, and of course if we take it back to the start of his Norwich career he was bought to keep that Alec Neil team up in the Premier League and started in the, in a fashion that you thought this could be an excellent addition got injured missed the business end of the season Norwich got relegated and then his next att- uh, opportunity to get into the Premier League he gets injured early on having been injured in pre-season and, and has only really come back in so it's terrible for that lad because who knows if he'll get an opp- another opportunity to play in the Premier League but um, you can tell in in the games he's come back in that he looks like a player who hasn't played a lot of football in the last 18 months or so and 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 again needs of must uh, and and it's not really his fault that he's been thrown in the deep end but he does look like a player who's uh, probably needs to have been given a more gentle introduction back into the premier league but yeah that's the way it had to be and uh, you know when we go swing back round to sort of looking what next, I think one of the things they will have to look at is the is the recruitment and how they put that squad together. Because, okay, you maybe could say, well, hindsight's a wonderful thing. Who would have anticipated so many injuries to so many key centre backs? But still, um, there's other areas of that squad where they look very threadbare, and, and I think that does reflect poorly on. The, the recruitment um, because it isn't down to Daniel Farker what players under this model have been brought to that club. You know, uh, he works with the players he's given. Okay, he has a recommendation of who he wants Stuart to go out and get, but fundamentally, and Stuart's acknowledged this, they haven't backed Daniel well enough. Even with limited funds, I think they could have still got far better recruitment in than he did. And, and ultimately, whereas you could uh, say the recruitment that they did underpinned that championship title win Puki on a free, Buendia plucked on the Spanish second tier. Conversely, I think the poor recruitment has hastened their swift departure from the Premier League. Hmm.
2: I wonder what would have happened if Ralph Fairman was goalkeeper, Amadou was midfielder, and Roberts was on the wing. Instinctively, I, I don't think it would have changed things drastically. So I think, yeah, that probably shows that the recruitment hasn't been good enough. Which flows nicely into Andre Duda, Connor um, Bluntly, is there any point In him sticking around for the rest of the season um, Or may he Be just as well going and Getting back into the Hertha Berlin uh, Squad and getting ready for their Pre-season, because he's not going to be a Part of next season he, Just financially, Norwich wouldn't be able to afford him um, I did the player watch on him today So, you know, com's the place To be if you want to have a closer look at His performance, but um, nice flashes for me here and there. He's got a good technique, isn't he? But for me, he's just somebody who hasn't adjusted to English football and he seems too lightweight for, for English football to me.
3: Yeah, I'd agree. And, and no, there's there's not much point of him uh, sticking around, to be honest. I, I think in, in this Norwich side, um, the focus now needs, needs to turn to next season, really. And I mean, from from today's display, I think Adam Ead is a perfect example, really, there's a there's a young lad who you could expose to five games of Premier League football. I think he's he's looked bright in pretty much every game he's he's come on to. And okay, he might be raw, but but frankly, it's it's not like they're playing for points at this point. So um, his development, putting five games into him, could could actually really benefit him going forward. As uh, as we've seen before, uh, Murphy's had uh, sort of drips of Premier League football, didn't they, before Norwich went down. So um, that that could be repeated again. But yeah, in, in terms of Andre Duda, it's, it just hasn't worked out. And Probably the the lad feels that as well in terms of perhaps what he was brought in to do it just hasn't just hasn't delivered and Norwich have had a, an issue I think probably more generally and more broadly with their entire midfield but certainly that number ten position specifically throughout this season Stieperman, um didn't quite make the step up uh, to, to start with uh, and and, and Duda certainly not perhaps had had the impact that many thought he would and and bought the quality that many thought he would and, and I think you're spot on there in terms of every so often there's a nice pass and there's a nice touch and perhaps there's a, a, a nice cross-field ball to a full-back that, that opens the pitch up a little bit, but in terms of actually influencing a game consistently beyond that Bournemouth debut, there's there's not been a, a, enough from him at all, and, and there's not enough to suggest that, that, as you say, that he's got the components necessary to play in the Premier League, and you're right, he'll, he'll go back to Hertha Berlin next season, he'll, he'll, he'll be in about their squad, and um, he, he could do very well, but that that season that he had um, last year, look, looking increasingly, and again, it's it's up to him to go back to Germany and improve this. But it's looking increasingly like a, a little bit of a, a fluke or, or, or a good bit of form, um, perhaps rather than, than consistent quality, and, and that's a shame because I think he, there was so much expected of him in a Norwich City shirt, and ultimately, it's 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 not happened. Although you could probably argue that as part of uh, a wider. Team, there's there's not enough attacking impetus in there generally, but um, yeah, Andre does not worked I think he he should probably focus on on his career and go back to Germany. And Norwich should probably cast their eye to, to next season.
2: Yeah, I'd rather see Josh Martin get game time than Duda really. If he, it's it's yep. brutal, but what is what is the point? You know, the, they've got to start turning their attentions to the future. The moment that summed it up for me, mostly as a as a number ten, as somebody that needs to be connecting the midfield to the striker. Um, there was a moment where Buendia had done quite well to get the ball to him in the first half and then he just played an easy ball back to Teddy when he had space behind him and he should have turned and, and attacked the box or tried to find Dermage, but instead it was just an easy pass to Teddy who he, and the move soon broke down and Teddy looked like well, what, what are you giving it to me for? Mm. Um, so yeah it's, it wasn't easy for him coming in I suppose we should say that as well they were already at a low ebb when they signed him but I, I dare say that loan wasn't a cheap loan um, and he would have dictated reasonable Uh, Wages. So um, he was one of the three players that came off uh, 67th minute. Um, Pookie, Eder, and Cantwell all came on for Duda, Dermich, and Hernandez. So let's extend that same thought pattern. Pad with Adam Eder, who of course hit the post late on, didn't he? Was really unlucky not to get his first Premier League goal. Do you play him more than Dermich? Do you see Dermich being part of this going forward? Because I wouldn't. I wouldn't say Norwich fans are particularly enamoured with his sort of level of commitment during this I mean he, he's worked hard on the pitch but yeah, he's, not really, he's not someone who's dragged Norwich forward really is he?
0: At the minute he's a better uh, better musician than he is a footballer let's be honest Oh and that's saying something That uh, is saying something but uh, that's, about, that's about more productive productivity we've seen from him than in the Norwich uh, bar one or two flashes in the FA Cup Now I, I think with him from from everything you've seen about his career, and again he's another one who's been beset with injuries and he had that very good season in the Bundesliga and maybe that's coloured how subsequently people have viewed him, um, but he he looks to me a sort of lad who needs to be on the end of a regular service um, from, from players around him and, and very good in the box, a bit more cunning in the box. Which is fine, maybe in the championship. If you look now, if we assume that Norwich go back down and 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 were able to dominate games in the fashion they did last season and create so many chances, then he probably scores a lot of goals, and we're probably talking about him as well. That's a good signing, but in the dynamic they find themselves in in this league, where chances are at a premium, and, and you really need, if you're Norwich, trying to bridge the divide, you need to be having forward players who can do something outside the box and link the play and hold the play and give the rest of your team a breather. And obviously, Pukki and his pomp gives you that when he's fresh and full of um, endeavour. But Dermic doesn't appear to have that in his armoury. So he's not in, in a Premier League environment for Norwich City. I don't think going to offer too much. So if it's now, for these five games, do you play Dermic, you play Ida? All day long, out of Ida for me. Because he will offer that physicality um to 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 link the play um outside the box and also we know from his prolific record at uh, age group level he will score if he gets a chance and Daniel has alluded to that. He's a natural born goal scorer, Daniel calls it. He calls it that he's got a gift for scoring goals. So given that you're not off you're not getting too much from Dermich outside the box, we're certainly not getting anything from him inside the box. What is there to lose, taking Connor's point about as a development bridge into the championship where you would think Adam Eder will be a, a, a mainstay of Norwich's attempts to get out of that division again. Play the lad, play the lad, because with Dermitch and his injury record, who's to say that, you know, the start of next season, the gruelling nature of the championship, the incessant sort of Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, his body breaks down again, and then then he's not an option for you. So let, let's you know let's have a look at Eder. let's have a look at one or two of the other younger players, um, because I think that's also a signal to your fan base as well that they they will expect now there to be a recognition that we're now looking ahead to next season and everything we do from here on it is is with a with a view to planning for next season and what better signal signal slash symbol than to have a really exciting young attacking talent like Adamida getting some exposure because you're basically saying this guy is going to be. We hope a main player for us next season. And if you're an Norwich fan, I'm sure you'd rather see him leading your line than you would Dermage.
2: Yeah, and he did hold the ball up quite well when he came on, which is the because he's taller than Pookie and Dermage, isn't he? And you know he's still developing uh, sort of his frame, I guess. But he he looks big and strong. And there was a couple of times when he did well to take the ball in and protect it. And yeah, as I say, that lovely ball from McLean right at the death, which he did. You know, was was quite clever with how he managed to nod it on. And, uh, you know, it would have been a bit weird, I think, wouldn't it? If he, if Norwich had have scored at that point, because it would have been like, oh, here's a little positive, and it would have almost just sort of held back the tide a little bit when we all really would have known what was coming.
3: Yeah, I, uh, I think so. It would have been, it would have been great for him to to get a Premier yeah. League goal though. Um, but but yeah, I think I think Paddy's spot on in in terms of his development. It would be so beneficial to give him. Essentially an extended pre-season Five games in the top flight Against top flight defenders Good, competent, um, able defenders To test himself against And there's, there's no real reason for me um, looking at, at Josip Dermich since the restart why Adam Eder shouldn't, shouldn't be ahead of him I think in, in terms of the flashes and, and the stuff we've seen from him and um, you mentioned the, the physicality, he also stretched the game for me when he came on and, and opened up a bit more space on Norwich's midfield although Brighton had dropped significantly deeper but he certainly did have a positive impact and um, however small that is at the moment they, they need someone like that, someone who's a bit confident, someone who's a, a bit capable and a, and a bit able um, to Maybe a bit naive as well in in that sense in in terms of um, approaching games with with, a, with an attitude that that they can produce something and and they can score and he looks like he possesses genuine belief that he can score a goal and that finish was almost instinctive with with his head and Norwich have lacked that someone perhaps who who is willing to to have I mean Pookie's your, your obvious guy for that and when when Pookie doesn't fire then it doesn't look like Norwich do and and if Ida can. In the in the last few games, score a couple of goals and and add some positive flashes and do his confidence some good. Then then that's only going to benefit Norwich City in the long run. Um, for for Adam Eder Adamida, if, if Adam Adamida scoring goals, then Norwich City will be will be doing well. So for me, it's it's a win win. And yeah, I think even even beyond Adamida, Josh Martin again, someone who who I think we should we should see some more of in in the weeks to come. So um, there there are still positives within this Norwich City group and and for the mid to lo- long term future of it and. I think Adam Edith plays certainly a a crucial role in in that long-term future for me and um yeah, to 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 invest in his development now to me makes sense given that there's there's nothing really to play for in the league anymore.
2: Yeah, good determination from him as well to get his head on that ball. Um, but the strikers is going to be really interesting to see how that develops because you know it's not certain that Pookie or Dermich are going anywhere this summer, is it? They could, and frankly, they both are capable of being the top scorer in the Championship next year if they were to get a uh, you know a full season. So you know, up front might be. One position that Stuart Webber doesn't have to worry about too much, unless either of them are are, are agitating to leave. You know, Pucky's going to be thinking about maybe the last payday of his career. You know, if a decent offer comes in for him.
3: is thinking about the charts. (laughs) Yeah,
2: and and the Euros possibly as well with Dermot (laughs) with Switzerland. Um, But overall, uh, Norwich had fifty-eight percent possession, twelve shots to Brighton's eight, and one shot on target to Brighton's two, which was a very weak past shot from Dermot straight into Matt Ryan's arms. So fair play to Brighton the 36 points looks like they're going to be safe they're just they're just very solid um, you know they won that game it felt like they kept Norwich at arm's length to me really they didn't they didn't really need to go through the gears to do it maybe they lost their way a little bit after they started making substitutions maybe they invited Norwich onto them a little bit too much but I think with their defense they they were fairly confident that they could keep Norwich out and I guess they're an interesting example, Pat, in terms of maybe where the mindset needs to change for Norwich. Um, I don't know if you agree with me, but they've they've almost tried to do it in, in an idealist way, haven't they? They're trying to play great football, trying to play lovely attacking football, and that got them out of the Championship in in brilliant style, but then they found that, the sort of degree of difficulty of nailing that in the Premier League, you're basically trying to play the football that the top teams in the Premier League play as soon as you get there, almost like they're trying to run before they can walk in Premier League terms. If you look at Brighton and Burnley and Palace and teams like that and the way they grind things out and they have a strong defence, have Norwich maybe got to accept, no matter how sort of begrudgingly, that? It's not necessarily the attacking style which is going to get you established in the Premier League, and you know that means sacrificing a bit of entertainment and a bit of excitement. But it's sort of it's on record that it works almost.
0: Yeah, it's an interesting one because what links those two clubs is Chris Hughton, and Chris Hughton was basically, um, you know, lambasted, wasn't he, by the end of his Norwich tenure for that stodgy. um, Every team we're playing is like playing Brazil kind of attitude, um, deferential. you know, grind out the odd 1-0 keep things ticking over but ultimately um, it didn't work in terms of keeping that team up although I know he went just towards the end and then Neil Adams took over but they were heading south um, and it certainly didn't work with the fan base who, who wanted something a bit more uh, ambitious and entertaining so, but then of course conversely then he did manage to get Brighton out of the division um, look to be establishing them and then maybe the similar sort of uh, feelings around the Brighton fan base or the Brighton ownership because he was, he was jettisoned wasn't he and they've gone down this route of bringing in a guy in Graham Potter who has a very similar footballing philosophy to Daniel Farker in terms of how he believes the game should be played so you know I've probably underlined you can't be too idealistic you can't you can't really go solely down the Houghton route and be this stodgy functional attritional type of team and try and establish yourself that way but by, by the same token if you try and go too purist um Maybe you end up where Norwich are. Um, Purest, yeah. And and the reality is, you look at our Brighton team today, and OK Potter has a way how he wants to play, um, but he also has Lewis Dunk at the back, he has Matt Ryan, uh, Dan Byrne, solid sitters, and he brings on Duffy, you know, solid Premier League grade defensive options that will give his teams that base for which then they can maybe develop and evolve and bring that more technical elements to their creative play and to give Daniel his due you know he said it again in the last few days when he was talking about the defensive injuries he realized that he realized that at the start of the season that they needed to be defensively solid they needed to have that base and then from that you can then build um and you can put more floors on the house and and sadly I know it feels like we keep going back to them but you know when you haven't got closer when you haven't got Zimmerman when you haven't got Hanley for long periods of time and, and you're reliant on Ben Godfrey plus Alex Tete for example then there's no way it doesn't matter what Pep Guardiola could have been in charge with, with those player injuries at Norwich and they wouldn't have been any more solid defensively or, or any more better in an offensive and that's not absolving Daniel Farker of blame because you know he said himself again on Friday he he, he will get stick and he has had stick and he deserves stick because you know there are plenty of examples where he has been found out a little bit I feel uh, even with the cards he's been dealt but fundamentally I think he understood you needed a bit of a pragmatic base defensively and then build but simply hasn't been able to do it because he hasn't had the personnel available um, and I think if they do come back again I think you, you will and and it's the same characters in in charge certainly at Norwich then I think that will be one of the things they will look to do and and whether that's you get the recruitment in place that you have more options or just you put more of an emphasis on the defensive base because, and you said it right at the start there Dave they're trying to play like the top teams well sadly, and I know there's one anomaly result at Road against Man City but by and large if you try and play the top teams at their own game there's only going to be one winner and, and sadly... You know, 21 points is it from 33 games now tells you that Norwich's approach injuries aside hasn't been residually robust or effective and uh, yeah they will definitely have to go back down but I don't think it would be fair to say that Daniel's gone in with this idealistic blinkered um, naive almost approach I think he realised that if they had any chance they needed to be defensively solid and I think ultimately he hasn't had the players fit for long enough to build I mean you look at The back end of the Championship season, you know, we could name them. It was cruel in the back. It was the fullbacks, Aarons and Lewis, and it was Godfrey and Zimmerman. And that base never changed for 16, 17 games. And they just built and built and built the understanding, the cohesion. and, And sadly, they haven't been able to do anything like that this season.
2: Yeah, and you could really see it with Godfrey and Zimmerman in particular, couldn't you, in that second half of the season.
0: From true
1: crime to football, Brexit to folklore. For more great podcasts from Archent, head to audioboom.com slash channel slash Archent.
2: You know, you've been covering Norwich for a while now, Pad, obviously in, you know, what, four promotions, and this will be a third relegation. So you, say, it's, you
0: said on the jinx, though. No, 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 not at all.
2: <laughs> what, what I'm saying is... It's, It's almost like covering two different clubs, isn't it? You think where we were last May and all the highs and excitement of winning the title and all the, you know, um, sort of historic moments that we were savouring. And then when they go back to the Premier League, I almost feel like if they bounce back next year, there is going to be a bit of reticence around in almost like, well, do we want to go back to the Premier League?
0: well I mean ultimately you basically look you want the uh, the balcony and open top and Kenny McLean Lord Mayor and then you basically want to stay in the championship again yeah. and just experience it Different almost life. like Groundhog Day and just keep competing and getting promotion but not actually going up but obviously we're talking uh, in a rather fanciful notion because you know with promotion comes a crack at the greatest league inverted commas in, in, in the world but and ultimately it's the finance you know They'll go back down, but they, but the finance that they will have stacked um, because they've done it quite prudently um, will will if they, if they're very astute uh, and they make the right sort of decisions, strategic key business decisions, should set them up for the next two three seasons of trying to get back there again. And ultimately, you know, it's it it. it you can get caught up in the romanticism of it all but it but it is it is at the top level really about getting if you're a club like norwich and particularly a self-funded club it is really getting into the premier league to get access to that revenue to then try and organically build again so that you can you know the phrase that's always used is the yo-yo and but then eventually you've built stealth by stealth to a degree where you can do a Burnley and can do a Bournemouth although Bournemouth maybe will drop out this time round but you know Brighton are another example now where, where Stoke previously you know that it isn't impossible that Norwich could become for a period of time a regular in the Premier League but sadly as you referenced there really from Nigel Worthington's sort of era onwards successive teams managers chief execs manager directors boards have not had the wherewithal bar that first season under Lambert where they stayed up and then Hewton stayed up didn't he in his first season and then they went back down, bar that it's been literally one step up and one step back and they have to break that cycle and ultimately Weber and Varka were brought to the club with with a view of trying to achieve that different direction but alas uh, it's looking like it's going to be no different to the previous eras and the previous uh, management structure so yeah it, sadly at the minute um you know, it's it's it is it feels quite groundhog day and deja vu, but we just have to hope. We have to cling to the hope that because they've they've tried to build the club back up from from a, a very fragile base and the finances are in place, and we look at what's happened to Colney, the infrastructure changes there, this emphasis on youth development as well. That you hope that there's enough solid pillars in place that with some astute tweaks to that squad this summer, that they are better placed than they have been previous years when they've gone down.
2: Yeah, well, do you want to just have a quick look at the scores, Pat, and see what yes. Bournemouth score was? Because we're recording post-match. 5-2? 2 Okay, right. I don't know if it finished that way. Because the results don't really matter now, do yeah. they? It's Norwich have met, left it to the point where it doesn't really matter what the other teams do. So... so if, for me, right, let's just have a quick look then. So Leicester 3, Palace nil, United 5, Bournemouth 2. OK, so I, Bournemouth's form is worse than Norwich's, I think, isn't it? Which I is some feat. We'll,
0: I think we'll be going to the Vitality next season, boys. Yeah,
2: <laughs> um, which, ooh, interesting, given the amount of money they've got behind the club. But that that is going to be the next thing. I think it already quickly has turned on, on the live updates at com today, you know, um, immediately it was talking about Delia and Michael, talking about we've got to get rich investors and things like that. There's going to be a lot said about that. I, I don't think we would expect anything imminently on that. For, for me, it's going to be, you know, bearing in mind that we've got Daniel Farker and Stuart Weber here and for another two years under contract, haven't they? So I guess in an ideal world, if Stuart Weber could write the future, he would you know go back again as champions and then if he leaves and goes to spain or germany or whatever his grand ambitions hold it would be of norwich secured as with a mid table position in 2022 you know maybe even with uh, plans for the, the the extension of the stadium already in the works something like that if he could literally lay it out like that of course football isn't as simple as that but if it doesn't work out like that if things go wrong and you know worst case scenario Daniel ends up losing his job midway through last season because things are going badly and they are back where they were when Alex Neil was sat and they're back having to start again in the championship then I think fans are then going to be looking at the owners and saying you know we've got massive respect for everything you've done and a lot of love in a lot of ways but football's changed and we need some money in this club because this week there were even reports that Burnley are now looking for those billionaire owners, aren't they? Because their chairman is a, is a local guy, I think, a local businessman, and and has sort of decided he's probably him and maybe Sean Dyche as well have taken Burnley as far as they can mm. without changing the direction the club is going. So it is going to be a fascinating, never you know, it gets a bit boring talking about the ownership because it's been talked about but about the same owners yep. for a lot of years, isn't it? But mm. It is going to happen, isn't it, over this next year or two?
3: Yeah, of course. And I think that's that's probably born from the frustration, as you've mapped out there, the terms that Norwich can get to the Premier League but can't stay there. And, and that is going to raise issues because every time you're asking the supporters to invest in a new project or or a new person or a new um, idea, then equally they're going to want to see that sort of bear fruit. And when they end up in the position they were when, when they started, then I think that there is going to be a lot of questions and, and a lot of concerns. And um, that's that's natural. It's it's probably healthy to some extent. And, of course, you, you have to caveat it and say Norwich are an extremely well-run club if you compare what's happened to, to other clubs and... uh, Even I mean, Wigan are the latest, aren't they? In administration, although that issue seems um, bizarre. Um, So I I think there's a lot to be thankful for in terms of the ownership, and it's just a case of what ceiling does it have, and how far can Norwich go with this sort of self finance model, and on the evidence of um, really the last 10 years it's they can they can get to the premier league but staying there is the issue and, and if that's the case then how do you break that cycle as, as pad said how do you make sure that you do become a, a mid table premier league club or a stable premier league club that can then build the club further and it's it's then an a, an almost a, a, a progression that's that's quite natural i think if if you can stay in the premier league probably for for 2 years plus and Norwich haven't been able to do that, so I mean the, the questions of what could Daniel Farker do with, with a a Premier League budget, what could Stuart Weber do in terms of the recruitment with with that sort of budget is 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 gonna remain sort of unanswered for now because they they have to go back and, and test themselves over again. that's probably gonna be quite frustrating really, I would imagine probably for Daniel Farker, more so the fact that perhaps he's he's um he's built this team up to to be an excellent championship title winning side and now they're they're going to be what the, the the certainly have the lowest Norwich points tally it, it seems um, since since three points so that's that's going to be um, really hard for him to take to so then ask him to go again I think with, with the same energy and, and the same will um, but but they're going to have to do it and they're going to have to try and do it and, and and that sort of comes back to what I said at the start in terms of next season feels really defining because if they don't and, and let's let's hope they do but if they don't come straight back then again they, they're going to find themselves in the position they were pre-Daniel Farker and pre-Stuart Webber where they're probably looking in the mirror and going right where do we want this to go again and and that is, is going to be very difficult and, and again that will be Delia and Michael that do exactly the same and uh, I, I think you're probably right there is obviously a plan and, and a long term ambition but um, at some point the supporters are going to need to see some progression in terms of the Premier League because they can't keep having all of the positive memories in the championship and and they are great and it is good that those supporters get to experience that but equally there there needs to be some progression within the football club and because it it seems to just plateau and and then regress and nosedive and then it seems to come back again and and that constant cycle whilst it is probably exciting and at times slightly exhausting um, it it needs to change and and they need to try and progress themselves and, and equally that might mean taking a few risks in, in certain areas and if that's what they have to do then I think that there has to come a point where particularly on the ownership side of things they, they probably have to ask themselves is it possible under what we're doing and, and I think that will probably come in, in the next couple of years if if we find ourselves back here again um, but I I think for, from Stuart Webber's perspective, from Daniel Farker's perspective, from Delia Michael's perspective this is just another brick in the road and this is just a, another sort of Fall in in terms of where they want to get to, and, and and like I say, we'll see next season. We'll see in in the next sort of year or two whether or not their grand idea for the football club comes to fruition. And and if it doesn't, then yeah, I think those those questions are going to be aimed at, at the board and and at the owners. And you have to say it's it's going to be difficult to to blame them, I guess, in, in that regard. If if we're still sat here
2: and Norwich are, are still sort of yo-yoing between the divisions, and of course, Delia and Michael have made it clear on plenty of occasions that that investment. Or that, from their opinion uh, decent investment has just never been there You know, and you've just got to look at what's going on at Wigan at the moment I mean yeah. wow you, if you get the hand the club in the hands of the wrong people it can be disastrous and you know look at Hull Hull's not that dissimilar in size to Norwich and uh, as, a, as a football club and their owners are you know, real you know, they've fallen out with the local media, their fans want rid. You know, there's so many bad examples, There's uh, certainly more bad examples I'd say in this country than there are good examples. So I, I'm still sure that however um low things got that Delia and Michael would not sell unless they were very, very convinced that they were selling the club to someone um who had the club's best interests at heart and the community's interests um best interests at heart. So there's going to be a lot more said about that over the uh, next few years to come. Um, who knows? But it is it is a roller coaster covering Norwich. You know, you know, there can't be another club in the country who have been up and down so much in such a short space of time. You know, a decade essentially. But the club has proved that it is capable of competing at the top level. It's just you've got to go back 30 years now, haven't you? You know, late 80s, early 90s. They finished in the top five three times, two FA Cup semi-finals. Norwich as a club is capable of it. But football has changed such a a huge amount during that time, hasn't it? So I'm sure we will speak right (laughs) Um, a a lot more about that in in the months to come. Although there's only going to be a short turnaround between seasons, isn't it? We still don't know when that will be. And it looks like maybe any one of us is going to be a Watford on on Tuesday night Uh, we might have to draw the name out of a hat (laughs) and see who gets uh, that lucky trip Um, but come on an Adam Ida Adam Ida hat trick against Burnley at Carrow Road that's what we're all hoping for
0: now well Watford away I'll have to get the right Murphy now which one announced themselves Josh Josh in the League Cup absolute stupendous goal I remember it well Um, and he didn't look back in terms of his Norwich career and you know, okay, you could say it's plateaued a bit now, but but in terms of announcing yourself and as Connor said at the outset, you know, if Adam Eder could get himself on the score sheet midweek, it's just some it's a positive element that Norwich fans badly need now because they'll they'll be hurting now tonight and um, you know, I think even the most optimistic probably knew before a ball was kicked against Southampton that it was still a very tall order. But there was a, a genuine palpable sense that with the winnable games, uh, tongue in cheek, uh, as it's turned out, but and the points gap, this wasn't beyond them. But sadly, um, it's proved to be the case. So now it's and it bleeds out of that debate we just had about you know moving forward and can and can they refresh, renew and reinvigorate? Then I think if we saw an Adamida-inspired performance at Watford, ideally a win would be nice. But you know a positive result, score some goals, um, see some of the young bloods. Sort of stick their chest out and say, yeah, "I want to be a part of this moving forward." Um, then I think that then could roll into West Ham back here next weekend, and and then the rest of the season. You know, obviously two very difficult away games to finish: Chelsea, Manchester City. But um, ultimately, I know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, ultimately, uh, there's probably not going to be too many more wins. But it would, I think. I think it's important now. Although Daniel didn't really want to be drawn on giving out gifts and planning for next season. I think he would, if you got him in a quieter moment, know that it is now about next season. And to that end, you know, let's see something different. Let's see a turning of the corner. And uh, and then those fans, however long that close season period is, can at least go into it with a little bit of optimism. Because if it goes the other way, what we what we had now, five Premier League defeats, we've got five Premier League games left. If they end up 10-0... Um, then I'm afraid that they're, they're immediately on the back foot for me at the start of next season
2: Yeah that would shatter any momentum and uh, sort of credit in the bank to a certain extent When so let's sincerely hope that we don't get to that but um, obviously uh, you couldn't see but when Paddy mentioned Chelsea and Manchester City away games I put my hand over my face in a disconsolate way <laughs> which I think is probably the right point to end the pod on um, <laughs> Chaps thank you very much for uh, reliving all that fun Um, Thank you very much for listening. You can also hear us on Future Radio 107.8 FM. If you're not already subscribed to the pod, then please do. We'll be here throughout whatever happens, uh, week in, week out, rain or shine we will be covering Norwich City and uh, we always want to hear from you as well so please do get in touch with us um, any of the social media platforms Instagram, Facebook, Twitter you can get us at the Pinkin account uh, any ratings and reviews also very welcome but for now uh, a 1-0 defeat to Brighton uh, leaves us heading all back to the Championship as I think your headline said on the on the report at Pinkin.com kind of sliding back to the Championship and that unfortunately is how it feels